Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What a weekend. Hope you had a great time enjoying college football. Maybe some NFL mixed in. Family, friends, turkey, whenever you did your Thanksgiving celebration, and maybe just a little bit of time to relax over the weekend. Good Monday afternoon. We could probably use an extra hour today. So much to get to with you after the weekend that was in college football. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Great present idea. If you want to get a Dancing Rabbit gift card, you can do that for the golfer in your life as we approach the gift-giving season. Uh, certainly that is uh, an option. DancingRabbitGolf.com. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. So many places to go. We will start this afternoon with the Blitz, but first, a quick thought from both of you guys. Hey, Dad, let's start with last night in Starkville. You were at the airport for the arrival of Jeff Lebby, uh, and it looked to me like people were having themselves a large time celebrating the Bulldogs' new coach. Yeah, it was it was kind of surreal, you know. You think just a few days ago, and you lose the Egg Bowl and and all of that, but a very festive atmosphere for sure. A few hundred fans out there uh, to welcome Jeff Lebby to uh, to Starkville and the start of what is hopefully a, a very successful era uh, here in, in Mississippi State. There was music and smoke and cowbells and go to hell, Ole Miss signs and athletics directors hoisted onto shoulders of football players and. All kinds of stuff. There were all. It was all there last night in Starkville. Borky, what a weekend we had! Uh, unbelievable, right? So, so we get um, chaos on the field, and then not Mississippi State. The other SEC job uh, became quite the uh, the sideshow for a while. So we got great football, entertaining games, and a sideshow coaching search all in one weekend. It was great. Yeah, if you shut it down at about midnight on Saturday night and then you woke up on Sunday morning and looked at your phone and and kind of perused Twitter, you were like, wait, what? What happened? 
We'll, uh, we'll unpack all of that this afternoon with you. But right now, let's start it off with the Blitz. Going back to the games from Friday, Oklahoma 69-45 over TCU. 27 second-half points for Oklahoma. It was a scoring barrage, 607 yards of total offense, 207 on the ground, 400 through the air. I don't know. Those numbers felt applicable as we begin the Blitz this afternoon. Over in ACC country, Miami finishes the regular season at 7-5 after a 45-20 win over Boston College. The Iowa Hawkeyes are headed to the Big Ten Championship game. They finished the regular season 10-2, and they kept Matt Rule and Nebraska out of the postseason in the most Iowa way possible. Ten points in the second quarter, a field goal in the fourth. They won it 13-10. How do they keep doing that? Deacon Eels, the quarterback for Iowa, he was 11-28 of for 94 yards with no touchdowns and an interception. That's winning football if you play at Iowa. Memphis finishes the regular season 9-3 with a 45-21 win in Philadelphia over the Temple Owls. Temple goes 3-9. Tulane, 29-16 over UTSA. They were aided by UTSA turnovers. Tulane punched its ticket to the American Conference Championship game, which they will host at Yulman Stadium this Saturday in New Orleans. Um, Would Hunter Juracek like a redo? Missouri 48, Arkansas 14. An injury to K.J. Jefferson. He did not make it out of the first quarter of that ball game. Another huge day for the running back for Missouri, Cody Schrader. 27 carries, 217 yards, 8 yards per carry, and kind of a nasty fight mixed in as well. The worst thing that happened, though, was the post-game press conference. Did you see that? Sam Pittman was asked a pretty softball question, honestly, just... You know, hey, coach, you had a rough year. What are you going to do to try to get some excitement back into Arkansas football? His response, I don't know. Next question. He did not Yikes. want to converse with Trey Biddy in, uh, in that particular Could you imagine moment. saying, I don't know, to that question? Mm. Ugh. Texas. A Texas-sized beatdown over Texas Tech, 57 to seven. The uh, the intrigue here is Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big 12, was in the house. You remember the remarks that he made in Lubbock back in the offseason about, "Hey, Texas Tech, expecting you to do the same thing you did to Texas a year ago." Upon further review, how about the Texas fans chanting "SEC, SEC" inside DKR? Uh, Penn State, 42 to nothing over Michigan State. Michigan State now has a new coach. Jonathan Smith leaving Oregon State, headed to East Lansing. Oregon kept it going. They're 11-1. They beat Oregon State 31-7 in the Civil War. Bo Nix, 33 of 40, 367, and two more touchdowns. In the game on Saturday, what a game it was. Michigan 30, Ohio State 24. Kyle McCord, hmm, is he the guy at Ohio State going forward? Or are they going to try Shouldn't to find be. a new quarterback? 271 yards, couple of touchdowns, two interceptions in the game. Michigan was good, and uh, they were good enough to win. UCF reached bowl eligibility. Got a victory at home over Houston, 27-13 to shortly thereafter. 
Dana Holgerson was let go at Houston. Remember, he said he was plenty secure, and he had a buyout that was impossible. Impossible. John Rice Plumley threw for 253 and a touchdown in the game for UCF. Wild game in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Cats, 38. Louisville, 31. And it looked like that Mark Stoops was going to go riding off into the sunset with a win over the in-state rival as he headed off to College Station to be the next head coach at Texas A&M. And in the words of the great Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. We'll pick that one apart a little bit later. Devin Leary, three touchdown passes for the Wildcats. Duke gets to 7-5, to 30-19 over Pittsburgh. Duke's head coach, Mike Elko, does go riding off into the sunset toward the Lone Star State, where he is now the head coach at Texas A&M. Yeah, pulled a move that's barely better than Tuberville. Uh, at least he tried to address the team via Zoom. That's how he wanted to tell his team that he was leaving them. Apparently attendance was very poor on that Zoom call. Yeah, it's a new age thing. You know, world's smaller and all that good stuff. Why not ah. just go Zoom? Who needs in person when you can go Zoom? Uh, Purdue 35, Indiana 31, Tom Allen... Congratulations, you just get a big buyout. He is no longer the head coach at Indiana. Ten-win season for John Sumrall and the Troy Trojans. They beat Southern Miss 35-17 to if you're keeping score at home. That's back-to-back ten-win seasons for Sumrall at Troy. SMU 59-14 over Navy. They finish 10-2. They will play Tulane in New Orleans in the American Conference Championship game. Preston Stone, 14 of 19, 322 yards, three touchdowns. But that was in like a quarter and a half. He threw for 275 yards in the first quarter and then a serious ankle injury that likely will have him out of the conference championship game. LSU finished off Texas A&M. This one was back and forth for a while. A little bit of a backdoor cover with a late touchdown for LSU. 42-30 over A&M. Jaden Daniels threw for four touchdowns. And 235 yards. He also ran it uh, well once again. Rice becomes bowl eligible after a 24-21 win over Florida Atlantic. So in year one at FAU, Tom Herman's team goes 4-8. and eight. Syracuse fired Dino Babers last week. His former team went out and became bowl eligible for the 35-31 win over Wake Forest. Team and Deacons finished the year 4-8. and eight. North Texas 45 UAB 42, an offensive showdown there. James Madison scores a bunch. They avenge the loss from a week before to Appalachian State with a 56-14 win over Coastal Carolina. And congratulations, James Madison, because there were not enough bowl-eligible teams. You will be playing in the postseason, much to the chagrin of the NCAA. Oklahoma State headed to the Big 12 championship game against Texas after a 40-34 Double overtime win over BYU. Oklahoma State was down big. They were down 24-6 in that game. They came all the way back and won it. From one win a year ago to seven wins this season, Northwestern 45, Illinois 43. What a turnaround season for the Wildcats. Arizona 59-23 over Arizona State. Noah Fafita threw for 527 yards and five touchdowns in the win. Ugly game in Knoxville. Bunch of fights. Referees let it get out of control. 
Tennessee 48-24 over Vanderbilt. Joe Milton threw for four touchdowns. Virginia Tech boat raced Virginia. Liberty finished undefeated at 12-0 with a win over UTEP. Wisconsin over Minnesota. And we'll press pause. We'll pick up with the Iron Bowl when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, let's uh, let's finish up the blitz. An Iron Bowl for the ages. Go figure. Weird things happen when this game is played at Jordan Hare. Fourth and 31. Auburn 24. Alabama 20. 43 seconds remaining. Two men kind of tried to bring pressure on Jalen Milrow. He stood in the pocket for an eternity, let it fly to the back left corner, and Isaiah Bond hauled it in for a touchdown. Alabama 27, Auburn 24, Bama 11-1 and headed to the SEC championship game against Georgia. I may have made a noise like someone stepped on a goat's foot when that touchdown happened. I made a noise, too. It was was an audible yelp. That's about the noise that came out of my mouth. I was just sitting in a public (laughs) lounge in the airport, and people just started looking at me. I'm like, it's not my fault you're not watching this. I said that out loud. (laughs) Jalen Milrow threw for 259 and a couple of touchdowns. He also ran it for 107 yards in the win. Peyton Thorne, 5 of 16 for 91 yards in the game. Washington and Washington State. That was a wild one in the Apple Cup. Washington, despite kind of a ho-hum day from Michael Penix, kicks a field goal with five seconds left from 42 yards out to get the win over their in-state rival by three, 24-21. Florida State was down 12-0 to the Florida Gators, but they outscored them 24-3 the rest of the way. They lost their quarterback, Rodemaker, in the ball game. Vicious hit that he took, came out of the game, and yet uh, Mr. Benson and company still saw to it that Florida State got the win to finish the regular season 12-0. and West Virginia hanging on by the seat of their pants once again. They score a touchdown with 23 seconds remaining to finish 8-4 and for a 34-30 win over Baylor, who goes 3-9. and Dave Aranda will be back. So will Deal Brown. He might have had the hottest of hot seats of anybody in the country going into the season, and uh, he should be solid in Morgantown. Notre Dame smoked Stanford 56-23, kind of a ho-hum 9-3 record for Notre Dame and a ho-hum 3-9 record for Stanford. Clemson 16, South Carolina 7. Clemson Tigers finished the year 8-4. South Carolina 5-7. South Carolina had... 169 yards of total offense in the ball game. It's not the prettiest of games for Georgia, but they did get the win, 31-23 over Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is going bowling though at six and six. Georgia still perfect at 12 and 0. The most visually pleasing game of the weekend came to us from Manhattan, Kansas. A snow game, and not like it snowed a little bit, and not like it snowed right before kickoff had stopped. It snowed 
the entire game. And Iowa State won it 42-35 over Kansas State in Manhattan. A bit of an upset win there for Matt Campbell's ball club. What happened to North Carolina? NC State finishes 9-3 with a 39-20 win over the Tar Heels in Raleigh. Cal smokes UCLA 33-7 to get to bowl eligibility with their sixth win. And Hawaii, as time was running out, races the field goal team onto the field, and they banged a 51-yarder through the uprights for a 27-24 win over Colorado State keeping the Rams out of a bowl game. That is the Blitz. I would I would almost give anything to just be able to, about a month from now, maybe six weeks from now, just to have the Saturday that we just had all over again, just to relive the whole thing. You know, yeah. we're going through the doldrums of the college football season is ended, we play the national championship game on Monday night, that next Saturday, everybody kind of turns their attention to basketball. What if just one more time we could recapture Rivalry Saturday and go through it all again? It was simply fantastic. Just fantastic. It was great. It was, it was it fun. Had, had it was everything. everything you want college football to be. Yeah. You know what it shows you, by the way? That it is extremely hard to beat your rival. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not just a like uh, a throwaway line. The whole throw out the records, and we only get nervous about it in the Egg Bowl. Auburn expects to win the Iron Bowl when it's in their stadium. It's like they go into the game in Tuscaloosa knowing they're going to get boat raced, unless you have the comeback. But if it's at Jordan Hare, just go ahead and mark it down. It's going to be a close game. Yeah. Auburn almost won that football game. They almost won. I mean, when Alabama's punting to them there, the the winning the expected win had to be around 96, 97. Mm-hmm. And then fourth and 31 with you know basically no time left, it had to be like 99.5%. I think it was 99.9 at that point. I mean, that's incredible. And and they 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 found it. They found the point 1. So many great names too. The Milrow, the Nightmare at Jordan Hare. The, the name uh, of the play the is Milrow. I'm sorry. The name of the play is I mean, just everything. Great call by Brad Nessler. I just you know, Bond, Isaiah Bond. I was like, perfect. How on earth can't do any better than that? Does fourth and twenty-five for the SEC championship and fourth and goal from the thirty-one to win the Iron Bowl? Happened to the same coach. I mean, do we really have any need we, to mention fourth and twenty-five right now? Yes, I, because I like it was because negative. it's been upstaged. It's been upstaged somehow. Because as we talked about on the phone this he morning, fourth and twenty-five was fluky. Out the, it happened. Yeah. I just want to point out that Hugh Freeze did not call that defense. He did. He, he did. He didn't call that one. He didn't. Um, did you see he after the game uh-huh. he uh, said that they put the wrong punt returner in the game? He didn't know who the punt returner was, and when he found out, they put the wrong one in the game. But, hey, you said a second ago Brad Nestler, great call. That was a great catch by the spotter because they had the same number. 
It was the same. It was it was zero, right? Wasn't it number zero or number one? I don't remember. Yeah. It's number zero, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it's zero. Yeah. But it was a different zero than is the normal punt returner. And when he was asked about it after the game, Hugh Freeze corrected the reporter, and he's like, "Wait, that wasn't whoever in the game." He's like, "Well, he must have taken himself out. I, I, I don't. I didn't realize that wasn't him." You don't take yourself out of the game on your own in that situation. No. And, and, and I mean, that's the thing, right? Alabama probably never even has the opportunity to opportunity to have the craziness at the end. If you feel the punt. Yeah. Auburn just runs most of the clock out, you would imagine. And if they don't run the entire clock out, they at least get it where they punt it the opposite way and completely flip the field. It was one of those things where you but instead, happen. this can't be happening. This actually did just happen. Yeah. Oh. Unbelievable. We can't bury the lead anymore. Um, we will talk more about rivalry Saturday and just kind of look. We may we may go just go sports bar style in the five o'clock hour today and just talk about the games. Just like stream of consciousness bounce from one game to the other the exact same way you were might be sitting around with your buddies and just talking about the games. I'll text somebody to bring me a couple beers. Let's, let's well, do it. I mean, yeah. you you do you, hey Dad, you do you. But right. uh, obviously, a very too. big story here in the state of Mississippi. Jeff Levy hired as Mississippi State's thirty sixth head football coach. And he was greeted to a great deal of fanfare at the uh, the airport last night as he arrived. And was that that was at GTR, wasn't it? Or was it? Or was there an airfield? No, in that's the Starville. Okay, okay. There's, 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 there's the, the Bryan Airport here in Starville. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, great crowd there to uh, to welcome him in. And his press conference is at what time tonight? Seven seven thirty is when it. And I think it's seven thirty. There's like a an event. Yeah, you know, like. Bring him out there, let the band play, whatever, and then the press conference starts. So, yeah, never done a night press conference before. Very exciting. Wanted to wanted to give. Where are they doing it? Is it in the hump? No, it's at the uh, the seal building. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if you're gonna bring it into the basketball arena and give more nah. people the opportunity to attend. So. Yeah. No. Nah. Um. We'll, we'll talk about the reaction. To uh, to this hire when we come back, we got so much to get to and a bunch of layers to uh, to peel back on this. As uh, Mississippi State found their guy and uh, brought in Jeff Levy to be the next head football coach at Mississippi State, and Hey Dad pointed this out at the the gate on Thursday night. People were down, people were frustrated. It was over, and we're just in wait and see mode. Who's it going to be? And uh, the excitement level ramped up in a hurry once uh, once the decision was made and the uh, introductions have begun. We'll pick that up next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station.
lot coming in from you on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. And we'll use a lot of those questions as just kind of discussion topics as we uh, we go through the news of Jeff Lebby um, coming in to be the next head football coach at Mississippi State. Shaq Bully and Biloxi, it's kind of unrelated. He goes, you guys always like to play the if game, the if card. So if Alabama didn't have two touchdowns and a first and goal called back because of penalties, and if Alabama had an offensive coordinator that didn't call run plays on first and goal from the nine-yard line, it would have been a bloodbath. One more. If a frog towed at a three fifty-seven, he wouldn't have to worry about snakes. Yeah. That's a lot of ifs there, Shaq Bully. That's, I mean, that's sports. That, uh, that is sports. You can usually point to, in a close game, you can usually point to one or two plays that they go the other way. The outcome's different. Gibbon Greenwood, hey, Dad, says, I haven't been this fired up about state football since Leach beat LSU in 2020. You know, you go back to the hiring of Mike Leach and you think, offensive guru, he's, he's here to, to put up big numbers at Mississippi State. And then you have that first game, and that's exactly what he does, 40 points and 600 passing yards plus. You think, okay, yeah, off and running. And, but what happened next? Yeah, so Mississippi State fans have been have been craving offense for, for quite a while now, and hopefully Jeff Lebby is the guy to bring it to them. Yeah, and the air raid, I mean, Leach's air raid was never truly, quote-unquote, explosive. It was a high-volume no, no. offense. What? Yeah. What this one's going to be, it's it's all explosive. It's big plays. I mean, they're near the top of college football in every meaningful explosive play category. It is it is what they do. It it's what he's done there. So, um, I mean, even Mullen had really successful offenses, right? But explosive is not what you thought of when you thought of a Mullen offense. It was they're going to line up and just physically just take it right at you. This is. And they're good at running the football too. Don't get me wrong at Oklahoma, but th- this is going to be a an explosive offense, vertical, um, fun to watch. Honestly, is is what it is. Yeah, Mullen's offense, Dak's junior year was probably his most explosive offense when he had Josh Robinson and Jeronimo Wilson and Fred Ross and all those guys. They they were they they had big plays. But you're right; it was mainly a physical, grinded out kind of offense. This is. State's first real four. They, they thought they were getting that with Moorhead, but obviously that didn't pan out. So, Jeff Levy graduated from Oklahoma in 2007. He was a student assistant while in school there. He coached in Texas in the high school ranks for one year right after graduating. Then he was the offensive quality control coach at Baylor from 2008 until 2011. Coached the running backs at Baylor, 2012 to 2014, and then 15-16 um, was he was the passing game coordinator and the running backs coach and the uh, what is ORC? I don't even offensive run coordinator. I, I don't, what what is ORC? But it doesn't matter. Um, quarterbacks coach at UCF after one year at Southeastern that was in 2018, 2019 he became the offensive coordinator at UCF. Then he made the move from uh, from Orlando to Oxford, spent uh, 20 and 21 as the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, then back to his alma mater, two years as the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, and now his first head coaching opportunity at the age of 39. Uh, the thing that you do know since he has been an offensive coordinator, 2019 at UCF, 
two years at Ole Miss, two years at Oklahoma, is the offensive production has been really, really good. And if you're trying to say, okay, what what is his style? Well, I think Jeff Levy is a smart enough guy that, that he's picked up things kind of everywhere he's been. The, the base of uh, basis of his offensive philosophy is going to be kind of that Art Briles Baylor offense where, as you were just pointing out, big shots down the field, they will throw the ball, but an explosive running game is important for that offense to go. And he worked under Josh Heupel at UCF, and so that was warp speed in terms of tempo. And then under Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, and Kiffin has you know, had a bunch of different offensive styles and offensive philosophies, but you know that the running game was a huge part of what they did and the success they had. They also threw it successfully when they had playmakers that could do that, and tempo, moving fast, was a big part of what they did. And certainly at Oklahoma over the last couple of years with Dylan Gabriel as the trigger man, They've thrown it all over the place, but they've run it well. Um, and the defense hasn't been particularly good at Oklahoma over the last two years. At times it's been good, but it hasn't been consistently good. And so a lot of the success that Oklahoma has had over the last two years has been because of what they have done offensively. They have put points on the board, and they have won shootouts. And that is Jeff Levy's side of the ball. Which leads you to what are you going to see offensively in Starkville next year? They're going to play fast. Tempo is going to be a big part of what they do. They are going to try to run the ball. And I don't mean like 50-50 balance. That's not what I'm saying. It's just to the point I was made just a second ago, everywhere Jeff Levy has been, running the football has been important, has been an important part of what they do offensively but they're also going to throw it around a lot as well. And so, hey, Dad, I do think it's a reason, if you've been frustrated with a lack of offense at Mississippi State over the last few years, it is a reason to be excited on that front. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if nothing else, you, you should finally be getting an exciting football team with, with, with an offense that can stretch the field, create big plays, create some mismatches create some open receivers, and everything doesn't have to be the grind that it's been. Even under Leach, I mean, like you said, it was, it was volume. It was a lot of passes, but it was a lot of short passes, and it was a lot of, you know, ball control and moving the chains. So, yeah, this is an offense that's, that's predicated around the big play. Uh, State has some big play receivers on the roster right now, and Tulu Griffin and Xavion Thomas, they both uh, this weekend expressed a lot of excitement now. You know how that goes. They could change their minds tomorrow and be in the transfer portal. But as it sits right now, that they seem to be pretty excited about this offense coming in. Got to find a quarterback. Got to find a trigger man for all this. But you know that that's going to be part of the process for Mississippi State over the next few weeks. And and rumors abound, right? There are a lot of people that just assume that Dylan Gabriel will make the move with Jeff Levy as a grad transfer, with one year of eligibility, a COVID year of eligibility remaining, possible. We've had a bunch of questions already come in today about Will Rogers and whether he might stay at Mississippi State. Feels like that decision's no. made. Well, he—I mean—he's officially in the transfer portal. He—he—he he, he has taken his last stat snap. And plus, this offense does not suit what Will Rogers can do. He's, and when we learned a lot about Will Rogers this year, he does not have the arm to run this offense. He's going to bring in better. I mean, even if it's not Dylan Gabriel, I, I mean, I. 
you know, a lot of people are excited about that prospect. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that's a guarantee, but it could be wrong uh, the way some people are. But you know that he's going to recruit quarterbacks well. That has been a thing at, at all of their stops. He's got a track record of quarterback recruiting, and it's not just – and that's the thing. I was talking about this last night where, you know, if he was just getting hired from Ole Miss or getting hired from under Heupel when they were at UCF to this job, I would be concerned. Because, you know, Josh Heupel's an offensive guy. Lane Kiffin's an offensive guy. Levy left Ole Miss, and they continue to lead the SEC in rushing, and now they've won 10 games again. Oklahoma's been his show. Oklahoma, they've recruited quarterbacks well, and they portaled quarterback well, and that's all him. It is his show. It's his offense. It's his thing. And so that would be really encouraging to me is that when he came out from under the umbrella of these offensive minds, it went really, really well, and most importantly, They've recorded quarterbacks really, really well. Because, I mean, hey, Dad, correct me if I'm wrong here. I know that there have been good quarterbacks at State that have done nice things. Like Rodgers put up nice numbers. Fitzgerald was a warrior. Stuff like that. But quarterback Mississippi State really hadn't been in on a lot of high-level quarterback recruits. Not really. They will yeah. be more so now than they have been in the past. After Dak kind of took off, State State had a couple of years there where they were getting some four-star guys. They they got Keaton Thompson. Of course, that didn't pan out, and he ended up being a better receiver. Uh, Jalen Maiden was a four-star guy. Didn't pan out at State. Went to San Diego State. And then under Leach, they got a couple of four-star guys, and, and Sawyer Robertson and Braden Locke, but neither one of them ever took a snap for Mississippi State. So it's been one of these things where they, they've gotten some guys, and you're like, on paper, you know, their recruiting ranking looks great, but they have done nothing at Mississippi State, and it's been three-star guys like Fitzgerald and Rodgers who've piled up all the stats. I've seen a lot of people floating K.J. Jefferson's name around as a transfer possibility, and that would be that would be an interesting thought in that offense. There is a significant piece of downhill, uh, downfield passing, and that's an area where he's been good. I was looking at a Mississippi State message board last night that was very unhappy about the prospect of K.J. Jefferson, and I thought, Jefferson in this offense would be great. Those of you posting are foolish. What is wrong with you? Danny Nos did a horrible job with K.J. this year. Horrible. If I can get K.J. Jefferson from two years ago, you, you would take K.J. Jefferson. If you get the guy who, who the 2022 version of K.J. Jefferson, you, you would want that guy. And And just, oh, by the way... Jeff Levy's brother-in-law, Kendall Bryles, mm-hmm. was coaching K.J. Jefferson when he was having those good years throwing the football and doing great things in that offense. Sports Talk Mississippi, fast first hour. We'll wrap up the 3 o'clock hour with you coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. 
Spark text line is open, 601-879-4395. Until Mississippi State lands one or two or three quarterbacks through the transfer portal or National Signing Day, every name is going to be thrown out, right? There's going to be guys that hit the portal that you're going to be surprised that hit the portal at the quarterback position, frankly. Yeah, but but they're all going to be associated with Mississippi State because they now have a coach who is an offensive-minded guy who has coached quarterbacks that have put up really good numbers. And it will be an attractive offense in which to play. That does not mean that every quarterback that enters the transfer portal or every quarterback that is a high schooler that is getting ready to make his decision on where to go to college is necessarily interested in Mississippi State, or Mississippi State is necessarily interested in him. So, Dylan Gabriel is a name, certainly, that makes some sense. Um, I could agree that K.J. Jefferson is a name that makes some sense. Back to his home state. Exciting offense. It'd be a good story. Yeah. Um... Arch Manning's name, we, we've gotten that from two, <laughs> two or three texters. We and aren't good enough people to get that to happen. I uh, the, the, the the content we would have on this show would be unreal, unmatched. You, you know the thing is, I don't it, know if Arch Manning's leaving Texas. No, not right now. I mean, with Ewers back for another year, he might. He might. But I don't think State would be a realistic option for him. Kind of funny. feels unlikely. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Isn't this conversation exciting? I've seen so many people because the po- this is like Black Monday for the transfer portal. I mean, everybody's seasons are over, so now they're hitting the portal, and people are like, "Oh, this is terrible. I can't stand this." Like, if you're a State fan listening right now, isn't this kind of exciting that every time a quarterback hits the portal, you get to go watch his highlights and see? Hmm, I wonder how he fit the Levy offense. I'm not a big fan of this Twitter account because they put breaking in front of everything and then you find out it's like some backup center who's never played. But the on three transfer portal Twitter account, you should be following it right now and seeing who's coming in. Because there's gonna a lot of those names that you're seeing are gonna be in maroon and white next year. <laughs> at least a few, at least fifteen, twenty of them. I, I do love when they do that. They'll have they'll it'll be like siren emojis, breaking news, linebacker yeah. from Southern Cal hits the transfer portal. You look up at stats, it's like four years, he's got one tackle. What <laughs> they broke me last year and I unfollowed them during uh basketball season. It was like some kid from Kansas. I was like, Big man from Kansas? Okay, this is interesting. Two minutes. He played two minutes the year before. Breaking like <laughs> I can't go another step with you on three. So is this the on th- on three recruits? Is that the one, or or is it a different one? I think there's, I think there's an on three transfer portal uh, account. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of five. people have brought up Jackson I'll Arnold as well. For whatever it's worth, and, and uh, like Hit had said earlier, I mean, people can say things and then think something else, especially when it comes to recruiting and portal and stuff like that. But Arnold's dad did come out and say, no, he's not leaving Oklahoma. He will stay at Oklahoma for whatever that's worth to you. Which, again, you know, could be next to nothing. But that is out there. Yeah. 
Um, oh, it was just a second ago. We got uh, a message from, oh, goodness, who was it? Oh, it was Chase in Columbus. He said, my wish list, Malik Murphy, who is at Texas, followed by Jackson Arnold if Gabriel stays at OU. He says, I know his father put out a release elsewhere. Um, is Malik Murphy a realistic name for going into the transfer portal with Quinn Ewers returning and Arch Manning behind him? It feels like one of them would go, right? One of those two is going to go. I can't imagine Seems they like both it. stay at Texas. So I, I don't know. Yeah, and they don't have to rush, right? I mean, it it just started here. Yeah, they got a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. Let, let it play out. And hey, you said something a second ago that it, you said those names popping up in the transfer portal, and State's going to get a bunch of them. But it's it's not like they just get to be like, oh, you're in the transfer portal. I'll take you, and I'll right. take you. They're they in the game, recruit. and it feels like they're going to right. be in the game more actively and aggressively this year than maybe the last couple of years, but so are a lot of other people with that also yeah. have fully loaded checkbooks. And that and it's expensive. Goodness great like I've heard some numbers that are being thrown around for, for different positions. And I mean price of poker has gone up once again this year. Josh and Laurel, that's an interesting name to me. He says Ty Simpson, who was highly thought of at Alabama coming out of high school, but has not won that job. Turn nah. your nose up at a former five-star. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Great to be with you on this Monday afternoon, the start of a new week after a holiday weekend. And we're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Timeout Lounge inside the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out. Learn more online at PearlRiverResort.com. Hey, Dad. Went on a little yes. bit of a shopping spree earlier today. Did you? I did. I did. I uh, I went by the global headquarters of Genteel, our friends, oh. and uh, was talking yeah. to Blake. And I uh, told Blake that um, you, you had reached a milestone. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah, yeah. Down 80. 80 LBs, and he's into the triple X's. He's like, all right, let's go shopping. And so we went to the back, and we got the big basket and put it on a cart and started pushing it around and loaded it up. We've got uh-huh. uh, so, so, so new Super Talk gear and maybe even a little bit of Mississippi State gear mixed in for you uh, in the, uh, the very near future. But you know what? See you tomorrow. Hey, Dad. Well, it's got to be embroidered. They'll let us know when it's ready. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that it'll be ready before I hit the road for Jackson in the morning. Sorry. Probably not. So. But we'll tell you this: you too can be like Brian Haydad 
and load up on Genteel merchandise. Genteel, by the way, is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Today is Cyber Monday. Everything on the Genteel apparel website through midnight local time, central time tonight, is 25% off, including everything in their collegiate collection. So if you've been thinking about possibly getting Mississippi State gear or Ole Miss gear or Southern Miss gear or Auburn or Alabama or Clemson or LSU or Missouri or Texas A&M or Tulane, they got a ton of schools they're doing stuff for. You've been thinking about those. Today is the day to do it before midnight tonight. You can get 25% off. And if you send your email address, you can uh, get uh, an additional 10% off. They've also got some stuff online that is 50% off, like their previous season stuff. Uh, And so you might, for example, try the khaki flex canvas five-pocket pants, 50% off of the regular price, or uh, some of the other items that are available as well. Genteelapparel.com. Check out the website. Do yourself a favor. Uh, Be good. Save you some money in uh, in the process. Sports Talk Mississippi. Should we do winners and losers right now? The music tells me yes. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like? From the weekend, that is how we classify our winners and losers. And boy, there's a lot to choose from this weekend. Michael Warkey's got a smile on his face. Why don't you hit lead off for us today? So I've got a confession to make. I like Michigan, and don't get me wrong, they are they're dirty, rotten cheaters. They got caught red-handed. The way that they have acted has been pathetic. Jim Harbaugh did not die; he got suspended because his program was cheating. But I love the arrogance. I love the Michigan versus everybody shirts. I love the fans and the signs at game day and all of that stuff. I love the crying and the homage that they pay to their suspended coach. I love the doubling and tripling and quadrupling down that they have done. They are wildly unlikable. And they're really, really good. And a really good, unlikable character is great theater, and it's really fun to root against them. I was mad after they won. And I'm excited to root against them again in the Big Ten Championship. And I'm going to be mad when they win that one, too. They're a heel. And, buddy, I love it. I've grown to love Michigan football for all of the cheating and the rottenness that comes with it. They're big winners this weekend. They beat Ohio State for the third time in a row without their coach. Third time in a row. That's a really bad look for Ryan Day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. He's one and three against Michigan, and he's forty and zero against everybody else in the Big Ten. It's not that bad of a look. You know, has the most unbelievable stat, maybe in history. 
I got a text over the weekend that said if, and I'm not, uh, I'm going to say this and people are going to think that I'm willing it into existence. Of course I'm not. But somebody texted me this weekend and said if Jackson Dart played for Ohio State, they would win every game by three touchdowns, including the playoff game. I thought Hmm. with that defense and those weapons, maybe. Poor McCord, he's stinky. I mean, maybe great. he takes a huge step forward in year two as a starter, maybe. Or maybe it's somebody else huge. is starting at quarterback next year. For With no Marvin year. Harrison. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Oh, man, we got, like I said, we got some options here. We got some options here. Um, let's go with let's go with Bo Nix and Oregon. A couple years ago, Bo Nix was a punchline. He was this the five-star kid who went to Auburn and you know, it is it has never panned out for him. Probably gonna win the Heisman now. Uh, you know, if he does what everybody is predicting them to do this weekend and they just tear up Washington, he's gonna he's gonna win the Heisman trophy. Oregon, to me, is the most I don't know if Dark Horse is the right word, because obviously they're a great football team, right? But they are kind of built to to maybe be the team that, that stops Georgia. They, they, they are a physical football team. They play hard-nosed. They, they, they play tough defense. Lanning, obviously, is a big key to that, and he knows the Georgia formula. They're fun to watch. You know, I thought that that game with Oregon State would be closer. That was my fishy line last week. It was not. It was not, and, and Oregon dominated that game from start to finish. So really like what the Ducks are doing here. I, I like Washington a lot. I like Penix, but I, I think that they are in for a rude awakening on Saturday. I'll go along the same lines. And say Jaden Daniels hit four more touchdown passes on Saturday. Jaden Daniels for LSU. Now they have three losses. I'll give you that. 4,946 total yards. 1,134 rushing yards. 50 total touchdowns. An NCAA record 208 passer rating. Uh, 40 passing touchdowns, 90 plays of 20 or more yards. It just, he leads the country in every one of those categories. 3,812 passing yards, 1,134 rushing yards, 50 total touchdowns. You tell me that's not good, good enough to win the Heisman. You know how it goes. He's not yeah, playing on Friday night losses. with everybody watching. Yeah. yeah, and those three losses, people are just going to say, "Ah." Eh. Seventy-two percent completion percentage. His adjusted completion percentage is almost eighty percent. LSU has put together a splash page just for that kid, Jaden. They have put his NFL passer rating on there. So they've taken all of his college numbers and plugged it into the formula for NFL passer rating. 143.7. That's off the charts. Jeez. Absolutely off the charts. So, uh, Jaden Daniels is a winner. Whether he wins the Heisman Trophy or not, Remains to be seen. Robert Griffin III won it when Baylor went 10 and 3 in 2011. Lamar Jackson won it in 2016 when Louisville went 9 and 4 
Caleb Williams won it last year at Southern Cal when they went 11-3. and three. That's three, three or more lost quarterbacks that have won the Heisman in recent years. Will he be a fourth? Yeah, but the last two were the, I mean, they were 11-1 and one going into the postseason. Yeah. The, I mean, the, 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 the third loss came in the bowl game after the Heisman had been handed out. So. That's true. That is, uh, that is true. Also, Jaden Daniels, only player in college football history with 12,000 career passing yards and 3,000 career rushing yards. Only one. Only player in the history of college football with 350 passing yards in a game and 200 rushing yards in a game. Ever. A lot of, been, been a lot of people that play quarterback in college football. We'll continue with winners and losers and get to yours coming up next right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. You want to be part of the conversation? Join us on the Ceasefire text line. You can send us your winners and losers at 601 879 4395. For the best in wireless, the best in home internet, and the best in business IT services, check them out at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire. Customer inspired. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. Other winners, or do you just guys you guys just want to go straight to losers? Let's go to losers. Because we got a lot of submissions. Real quick. Iowa State, Kansas State. The snow game was awesome. I mean visually the most appealing thing on television this weekend. Winner, 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 winner. I love, I love watching a snow game on television. Love it. Speaking of uh, that game, hey, Dad, add another one to the list of quarterbacks you're going to get asked about a hundred times. Kansas State quarterback Will Howard just hit the portal, so there's another one for you. Put him on the list. He will. How many of these guys are you going to turn your nose up? By the way, when their their name pops up, you're like, eh, eh. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we it's it's, an, it's 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 a fluid situation. Okay. Uh losers. The once proud institution called Sports Illustrated. I still have boxes upon boxes of old editions of Sports Illustrated in my house that I figured would have some value one day, sentimental or otherwise. And it turns out I can just light those on fire. I've got my little fire pit in the back. It's getting cold now. I have a use for them. Sports Illustrated, again, something that a lot of us grew up on, would read all the time. I mean, it was the the Bible for a sports fan, got caught generating fake writers via AI and publishing fake AI-written content on Sports Illustrated. 
a publication called Futurism, and they, they brought all the receipts, uh, put one and two together, asked Sports Illustrated about it, and they wiped the, uh, the AI-generated writers from the website completely. Here's uh, how they figured it out. So the, the articles weren't reading correctly, and the authors, they would look up on any other platform on the Internet, couldn't find any trace of these people. So they reverse image searched the faces of these authors, and turns out Drew Ortiz, the staff writer at Sports Illustrated, uh, his headshot was for sale on a website that sells AI-generated headshots where he's described as a, quote, neutral white young adult male with short brown hair and blue eyes. They gave him a fake bio. Here's uh, Drew Ortiz's bio. He likes to say that he grew up in the wild, which is partially true. He grew up in a farmhouse surrounded by woods, fields, and a creek. Drew has spent much of his life outdoors and is excited excited to guide you through his never-ending list of the best products to keep you from falling to the perils of nature. Nowadays, there's rarely a weekend that goes by where Drew isn't out camping, hiking, or just back on his parents' farm. A completely and totally made-up person who was writing fake articles via other AI. Other than when he's covering games, right? Sounds <laughs> oh. like Ray Romano. What an embarrassment. And what a shame. So so that is an AI bio also, right? I assume that they, yes, they just give me a basic white dude's bio, please. No, they, they hired somebody to write the bios. The bios <laughs> are real. Mm. What if uh, one of the articles that they found uh, gave us the rare insight that volleyball is really difficult to play without a ball? So... <laughs> That's true about a lot of sports, I'll be honest with you. You, you. you just can't win games that you lose, okay? Yeah. You can't do it. Can't can't be done. All right, hey, Dad, give me a loser. Well, we're just going to lose some sponsors, I guess, because for the second week in a row, we're going to make fun of Hugh Freeze. Let's do it. Hey, hey, Hugh. Uh, you know... Uh, I get you want to drop a bunch of guys into the end zone there. It's fourth and thirty-one, and you got to have seven, you know, seven guys in there. You could rush more than two. You could send four and make them work. I don't think Milrose is going to take off and and run thirty-one yards for a touchdown on you. Uh, you know, maybe that's just a thought. Maybe also be a little bit more aware of your personnel, and you don't let the the backup punt returner go in there for the biggest punt of the game. That's just that's just me. I don't know. It's funny to see Auburn like in melt melting down at six and six when it's like anybody with a brain thought they were going to go six and six this year. That this was going to be a tough transition year. They don't have the talent yet. They don't have the quarterback yet. Freeze will get them there. But it's also fun to to watch them lose. Sorry to our sponsors. It's it's a lot of fun actually. Yeah, yeah. It's quite it's quite it's quite fun. It, it's yes, yeah. Um, like I don't even want to talk about losers. It was like I, I'm in this state of euphoria from from the weekend of college football. It's like there's nothing bad. There's some stupid decisions. Florida was bad again. I mean, they're they're going to give Napier another year, but they stepped all over their own feet two consecutive weeks. Gave up a fourth and seventeen in route to a loss to Missouri. 
And, I mean, just wildly undisciplined football. Two 15-yard penalties on a gotta-get-a-stop drive uh, to keep that alive, and, and you lose to uh, to Florida State. It is... I mean, I know they're recruiting well and, and stuff like that. I, I get it. But, man, w- when you're building, right? This We'll talk about this with Lebby in the, in the days ahead and the weeks ahead. I, I mean, what you're looking for in year one, right, is... Is competency? Is how's recruiting going? Are they playing above their heads? Is the offense explosive? Stuff like that. If you're marking year one under Jeff Lebby as a success or failure based on if they win eight games, that's kind of a fool's errand, right? You just want to see them look better. If I'm a Florida fan, I don't like the way the team plays. I don't like the way they look. There's a difference between winning six games as you're trying to build a program and winning six games by making boneheaded wildly poor decisions as a team. You know what I mean? There's a difference. They don't look competent. I know, Borky, you said that you were not going to watch one second of Tennessee Vanderbilt, and and I really didn't, other than the highlights. And the officiating crew, as a whole, has to be a loser for that game. Tennessee should have had at least two egregious unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. But they weren't called, and by not calling those, the officiating crew allowed that game to spin out of control. And that was an ugly scene in Knoxville. And I'm not being like, oh, it's toxic and right. It was just stupid. Like, the officials allowed a game to completely go off the rails and be out of control with cheap shots on Vanderbilt play, including the quarterback. Right there for everybody to see on multiple occasions. So Ken Williamson was the referee, and, and that crew did a really, really poor job on Saturday in terms of maintaining control in that football game. Did you guys see the highlights of those hits? Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We get this message. Go ahead and get your laughing in now. Auburn will be back. Uh, They lost to New Mexico State this year. Nobody doubts that. But they lost to New Mexico State. No, I can laugh now. You're right. I can laugh. Both things are true. I'll laugh now, but I do believe that Freeze will get Auburn winning soon. Maybe. SEC's not getting any easier. Yeah. SEC's not getting any easier. At all. Um, All right, let's see. We've got a few of yours. Same calls on Egg Bowl. Uh, The the targeting was the correct call. It's a poorly... The the, the rule stinks, but but if you're... If you're trying to tell us that that wasn't targeting, you you are incorrect. If you want to tell us that the rule's bad, that when an offensive player goes parallel to the ground and your head hits his and they should do something about that, that's a different argument. But if you think that they incorrectly applied the rule there, that's not right. Uh, here's one. Here's I have a much bigger issue with the, the Tulu call, yeah. Yeah. The LSU band performing the Heisman on the field during halftime in support of Jaden Daniels. That was really, really cool. That was cool. 
they got into a full-on Heisman pose formation on the field. Um, that was that was good stuff. Let's see here. There's so much mixed in here. We'll try and grab a few more of yours and then just continue to talk about all these games. We're back after this. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If uh, you want to join the conversation, you can on the ceasefire text line. Like, uh, like our friend here, go ahead and get your laughing in now. Auburn will be back. I miss real sports talk. Not once has anyone at Jocks in Birmingham been as ugly about y'all's schools as y'all are toward Auburn. Good day and goodbye. Well, we are sad to see you go. It also says to me that you have listened to very little sports talk radio outside the state of Mississippi because I'm here to tell you, friend, the way people on the radio in other states, especially in big markets, talk about the schools in Mississippi... I assure you I will not be apologizing for anything that I say about Auburn or Alabama. I mean on Super Talk Mississippi. It's a segment where I have to talk about somebody who was a loser this weekend. That's what Auburn was this weekend. And you know what you are? You're a big stinking crybaby because you don't like somebody talking about your coach because War Eagle and stuff. Crybaby. Now if I may offer a compliment, Jordan Hare was awesome Saturday night. Those Incredible. aerial shots were crazy. That play, it, it's, I, I have said for a really long time that Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge is my favorite place to watch a football game. Auburn is a really close second. It's so good. So, so, so good. Now, I'm done complimenting you. Your coach is a bum who made terrible decisions, and it cost you the Iron Bowl. But you come on and defend him around here. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. So You're angry. Welcome to like I'm not angry. I'm not angry. But when Divicious. I get this, goal once. from the 31. You're a wrecking machine, Richard. Not once has anyone in Birmingham been as ugly about y'all's school as y'all are toward Auburn. Whatever. I'm sure. Yeah. Whatever. I've listened to more people make fun of Mississippi writ large who don't even care enough to know the difference between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Yeah. Spare me. Thanks. 
We're good? Good. Enjoy the other shows you listen to. Bye. Unbelievable. The, the number of Hugh Freeze apologists in this state. Off the charts! Off the charts! I blame hey. y'all. Do you, though? Hey, Dad. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. You fostered that man for all those years, and now look what it look what it's wrought. I think Richard fostered that man. I blame Richard Cross specifically. Hold on, we got another school. We got another school in another state we can make fun of. You guys ready? We're reeling them in. Reeling them in. Mike Elko being introduced in uh, in Aggieland at his introductory press conference on stage, family. Ross Bjork on one end. I think it's the interim chancellor of the university president on the other end. They are arms locked, shoulder to shoulder, swaying, and they are sawing them off with one of the milkmen in front of the podium leading the entire crowd. He's he's doing the... He is, I mean, he is, yes. <laughs> now, I just said this uh, on Twitter. Uh, imagine... Just picture for a second that Lane Kiffin would have been interested in that job, right? Just picture that for a second. And they offer it to him and he takes it. Imagine his reaction when they ask him to do that. Um, no, Dave I'm not going to do that. Dave Barstool <laughs> quote, quote tweeted, and he said, this school is so fun to laugh at. Lane Kiffin responded it with the monkeys, with the monkey emoji with his yes. hands over his eyes. He'd be the only person in that week, entire room not swaying. He would not. He would not move. All, I promise you, he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't. Yeah. All week, by the way, you know, with Elko, with the A and M, and there was some connection to him with Mississippi State for a minute. Every time I heard his name, I thought his first name was Tim. All week, I was just, just driving me insane. I was like, <laughs> I would correct myself in my brain. Like his name is not Tim. That is not Tim Elko. So let's talk about that. Actually, okay. Tim Elko, more famous Elko than Mike Elko. Because we talked about At Levy earlier. We'll, we'll bring it up again. We'll talk. We'll play his press conference tomorrow, all that. But another SEC school did hire a coach, and it went poorly. Maybe not the hire itself. Seems like a lot of people think really highly of, of Elko. He won nine games at Duke, man. I mean, you, you don't do that unless you can coach ball. Like, they may have ended up with a really good coach. But for Texas A&M fans at large or the certain boosters, but there was a whole fan revolt thing. When they find out that they're going to win that they're hiring a sitting SEC head coach that has won double digit games multiple times at Kentucky, that's not good enough for them to the point where they revolt. But a guy that's been a head coach for 2 years and just went 7 and 5 at Duke is good enough for them. Make that make sense to me. Last time they hired a Kentucky head coach, it worked out okay. Mark Stoops, not good enough for them. Mike Elko, good enough for them. Help Stoops' resume is better. Exactly. Help me understand that. It is. And and by the way, winning eight games a year at Kentucky is equivalent to what at Texas A&M? Eight games a year. No, no, no. But but (laughs) I'm saying the, the ability to win eight... At Kentucky, which is traditionally a hard place to win. I mean, what what what's the equivalent of that at A and M? Is that ten? Ten. You see, uh, El- uh, you see Elko's uh, Tim the, or Mike? Uh, uh, Mike. Okay, Mike. Uh, 
the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Incentives on his contract. They start at college football playoff. Like winning this bowl game incentive? No, there isn't one. Mm. Three mil for a national title, though, so not bad. What's uh, what's his base? Seven. Seven. How long? I'm interested to see what. Uh, I don't know. They they did learn their lessons though. They did learn their lessons. There's some mitigation clauses. So this is a seven year deal. I guess it's a six year deal. I'm sorry. From today through January 31st, 2030. So 42. Or is that million. a seven year deal? Yeah. Yeah. He gets 50 grand for SEC Coach of the Year, three and a half million for winning a national championship. Elko's. <laughs> hmm. So seven mil a year. Great job. And they and they have a mitigation clause in it this time around. So don't say that Ross Bjork doesn't learn from his mistakes. It you know only two spots have been filled, but I mean there's not really another high profile job that's come open, right? Well, Michigan State as well, but they kind of got yeah. lucky in that they were they able to hire a guy that was desperate to get out. You know, it feels yeah. like that that we learned at least I think we did with a smaller sample size that. Money's not buying you everything. I mean, that's never been the case at A&M, but they got said no to a lot. And the general consensus is it's an SEC job in Texas with all the money in the world. And still, guys are like, no, I'm good. Good where I'm at. I'll wait for something else. That says something, at least about Texas A&M it does. I feel like, I'm not necessarily saying you guys. I think you've just kind of heard me say it and not really commented it, but I feel like I've gotten some sideways looks or some kind of like, wait, what? I've pretty consistently for the last couple of years said it is harder to hire a football coach than it has ever been. And I feel like people are like, huh? What do you mean? It's hard to hire a good football coach right now. Zach Selman just found that out. I think he ended up with a good football coach in Jeff Levy. But through a couple of weeks, he interviewed and talked to a lot of people and, you know, depending on who you want to believe, probably had some people tell him no. Which, by the way, I don't think there's any shame in the fact that somebody tells you no. Find me a job where somebody doesn't say no. And Nick Saban said no to Texas a few years ago. Nobody says no to Texas. Nick Saban did. People said no to Ole Miss when they hired Lane Kiffin. Mike Norvell said no. Wasn't interested in the Ole Miss job. Sounds like people said no to... But we, we know people said no to Texas A&M. Yeah. Dan Lanning said no very, very publicly. Dan Campbell said no very, very diplomatically. No, but A lot of people said no. Dan Campbell said, I will do anything to help them except for coach for them. Yes. You're going to get told, no, it's hard to do, and the stakes are so high. Hey, Dad, do we have unofficially official terms for uh, for Levy? Not yet. Not yet. Only rumored terms? Not term? obviously at the uh, only, only rumored terms. Rumored to be about $6 million a year? I was told four at 24, so yeah. Okay. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We're back with you right after this. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Because we play with Monopoly money when it comes to coaching salaries, and we know that Jimbo was making nine and a half million a year at Texas A&M. Everybody's like, seven million a year for Elko? Wow, they got a deal. Please understand that Mike Elko, not Tim, is going to make more money in his first year as the head coach at Texas A&M than Steve Sarkeesian is making now at Texas. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he may end up – people really think really highly of him. I mean, you, you don't win nine games at Duke unless you're a great coach. But, man, it just feels like the initial candidate list versus – you know, it's like you versus the guy she told you not to worry about, right? You're Mike Elko, and the guy she told you not to worry about is Dan Lanning. I mean, Sark's making $5.6 million this year. When it's all said and done and all the bonuses are paid out, he's going to make almost $4 million less than Lane Kiffin this season. Well, and then whatever his bonuses are, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Maybe $3 million less after yeah. all of the bonuses are paid out for both sides, depending but on how it goes. Doesn't that go to, to, to go back to... The, the previous conversation, though. Because Texas A&M has all the money in the world, right? All this money, all this resources. But they're in a league that has schools like Ole Miss, who historically has been a bottom... It's, Ole Miss historically is at the bottom of the league. It just is. Re- records by year not particularly good at Ole Miss compared to some of the others in the league. O- Ole Miss shares a state with Mississippi State in the SEC, in a state that has a population under 3 million people. They've got 9 million into their head coach, and apparently state's got 6 million into theirs. That's what life in the SEC is. It's not just competing against Alabama and Georgia and LSU. It's you got to go to Starkville with the Cowbells. you got to go to Oxford where Lane Kiffin's on the sideline with a $9 million salary and a $2 million defensive coordinator. It's every single week. Every week you are playing against a team and a fan base that is engaged and invested into football in ways that very few places in the country are. There it is. Hey, Dad. I just got the email from Mississippi State letting me know that I can secure my 2024 season tickets today. As you should. Yeah, I, I should. Yeah. I mean, strike while the iron's hot. I, uh... I unsubscribed from my Ole Miss emails a few weeks back, so if you want to do that, I understand. Yes. That's okay. 
That's what happens when you get a parking pass or something. You got you to get, get on the email list. I feel like I probably was on their email list already. But anyway, maybe not. You're probably not on, their, not on the fan maybe, ticket maybe on email the, list. You're on, the, ticket. you're on the media email list. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bubba in Meridian. Does Kentucky forget and kiss and make up with Stoops? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, I, I, now he at this point with Stoops, he's just waiting out Ference at Iowa. That's, that's all it is. When, when Kirk retires, he'll go over to Iowa. But the good news for Kentucky is just get John Sumrall. He's come right in. Um, Text line, Jimbo is going to get paid as much or more than Elko is going to make. That's right. Is it two, two payments of $19 million and then $7 million a year through 2031? I mean, he's going to make $76 million, so uh, Elko would have to play out this contract and half of another one almost to get there at this rate. Yeah. Yeah. That's not that's not terrible at all. Dan in Hattiesburg says it's crazy if State's going to be paying almost as much as A&M. Yeah. I mean, I, I said it. You know, I thought that State needed to overpay a little bit just to, to erase the stigma that they have currently that they're not a school with any money. <laughs> Mike in Oxford says... Since I bought Tulane season tickets this year, and he did that because it was cheaper to buy Tulane season tickets than it was to buy an individual game ticket for when Ole Miss went to New Orleans in week two, he said I was able to buy eight American Conference Championship tickets at $30 each before they went on sale to the public. Well done, Mike. I wonder what those tickets are going for. Uh, 20 bucks. Eh, $29. I mean, it depends on where you're sitting, I suppose. So that may be a break-even proposition for you, Mike. I don't know, but cool story anyway. Or maybe you're going. Maybe you're going to go to the American Conference Championship game. Should be fun with SMU and uh, and Tulane coming up this weekend. A little more expensive to get into the SEC Championship game. You want to sit in the rafters at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Will cost you three hundred twenty dollars. We're back right after this Sports Talk Mississippi. What we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, 5 o'clock hour with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com and keep up with everything that's going on at Pearl River Resort. Ceasefire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. 
601-879-4395. Connect and protect. That's the plan that you want if you're a parent. Your kids get the phone or device that they want, and you get the protection that you know they need. Learn more at cspire.com. That's uh, connect and protect from cspire. Zach Selman said, as we continue to invest in excellence at Mississippi State, the future of our football program is incredibly bright with the addition of Jeff Levy at the helm. I'm confident that Jeff is the perfect leader for the next exciting chapter of Mississippi State football. He will bring an exciting brand of football, elite student-athlete development, and a winning culture to Starkville, all while doing so with high integrity. He's a dynamic recruiter who will attract an elite coaching staff and the nation's top talent. Those are some of the words from Zach Selman. At uh, I guess that was last night, or maybe that was in the official release that uh, Mississippi State put out. So, hey, Dad, Jeff Levy comes into town last night, officially being introduced tonight at 7.30. And Isn't this the college football fix? As a matter college of fact, football fix is. is brought to you by our friends at the Mississippi Ford dealers. How many years in a row have they been the number one truck in America? Who knows? Longer than I've been around. Go see your Mississippi Ford dealers today. Get a great deal on a new Ford F-150. They bring you the college football fix. You were saying, Richard. Nailed it. Had a boy. 44 years, by the way. It's incredible. That's an unbelievable number one for that long. Holy cow. Ah. Um, let's do upside downside. What's the upside with Jeff Levy? Elite offense and a guy who I think has a chance to be the best recruiter State has had as the head man in, in quite some time. Moorhead liked recruiting, but the rest of his staff kind of let him down. I think Levy is a guy who puts a, a better emphasis on it. Mullen obviously didn't care. Leach didn't really care. Um. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just truth. I mean, they were not get out in the streets and 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 recruit kind of guys. They they you know they weren't. Um, so that's that's the upside is that state can finally have an offense that they can put on the field to count on game in and game out. And in today's college football, that's what wins games. Okay. Is there a potential downside? Yeah. That he's not ready to be a head coach. That you're going to go through what you just went through with Zach Arnett on the other side of the ball. That you get a, a defense that you know he puts too much emphasis on offense. Get can't get it. Can't put a defense together that that stops anybody. And you get an inexperienced guy who makes mistakes. And you're you're doing this again in three years. You know this. There's there, there's never any guarantees for sure. And and you know when you got a guy who hasn't done it before, he's got no track record as a head coach. That has to be a concern. You know. I think about the people under which Jeff Levy has worked. And, and to me, the, the biggest difference in Zach Arnett from an experience standpoint and Jeff Levy from an experience standpoint, with Zach Arnett, he had been at one program. Right? He had been at San Diego State. And then he joins Mississippi State, and that was the breadth of his experience. Maybe I'm missing a stop somewhere along the way, but but basically, that You're was not. it. Yeah. With with Jeff Levy, you're talking about an extended period at Baylor. I know I, I'm I'm not making the jokes. They're they're not funny. 
But that was a successful on-field program. I understand there were problems at Baylor. I get it. But that was one experience moment in his life. He's at UCF under Jeff Heupel. Jeff Heupel. Mm -hmm. Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel, he, he watched Josh Heupel make the transition from offensive coordinator to head coach. Remember, because Josh Heupel followed Scott Frost. He had been Scott Frost's offensive coordinator. He goes into the head coaching spot, and so he watched that transition from offensive coordinator to head coach. He goes from UCF to Ole Miss. It's an entirely different experience working under Lane Kiffin, but it is another unique experience in his coaching journey. And then he goes to Oklahoma and once again watches a coach transition from a coordinator to a head coach. So my guess is, and it's just a guess, but my guess is that Jeff Levy has seen some of the pitfalls that guys deal with when they are making the transition from coordinator to boss. And if you're a Mississippi State fan, what you hope is that seeing those with Heupel, with Venables, and kind of that breadth of experience that he has seen, that he is ready, and he can avoid some of the mistakes that they made. Then inevitably, you're going to make when you're a first-time head coach. But some of those he can his avoid resume, because he's seen them. His resume, as we see here today, is better than what Dan Mullen's resume was when Mississippi State hired Dan Mullen. That's not to say he'll be the next Mullen, but that's what the hope is, right? Is that you've hired a guy that you can squeeze eight to ten years out of. And he can bring some stability and some success to your program, you know. And I, I, the fact I think Borky said this earlier is that you know he's with High Point, he's with Kiffin, right? So there's going to be that. Well, who's really running the offense and who's who's doing this? At Oklahoma, this was his offense. He's running the offense because he had a defensive head coach. He had a defensive head coach who did not interfere with his offense, or at least if he did, it was like be more aggressive because that's all Oklahoma was. And you got to see the full breadth of him as a play caller. So I, I, I feel pretty confident that if nothing else, Mississippi State is going to be much better offensively. And if they can just be what they are year in and year out for the last two decades defensively, they should be okay in the long run. But you're asking them to be what they've been for the last two decades or close to it defensively while playing an altogether different style offense than Mississippi State True. has ever played. Because the fact is, when you run the tempo-style offense that Jeff Levy's going to run, you stress your defense in a way that they have not been stressed before. Because that's a misnomer about Mike Leach. Air raid did not mean tempo. Right. Right. He he, he controlled the clock. He was a ball possession offense through the short passing game. Yes. You're going to have to have more depth on defense than you've had in years past, and you're going to have to be able to... To, to, to adjust quickly because you're going to be back on the field quickly, you know, if everything goes according to plan. But so that's why I think his defensive coordinator hire will be very interesting. Do you, do you find a guy who's coached in, under these kind of situations before and, and, and bring him in? So, cause he has some experience at it. What would be your wish list for defensive coordinator? It's an interesting question, you know, you. because I don't really, <laughs> I didn't say it was a good question. I just said it was interesting. Yeah. Well. Uh, I because I, I, I don't really know the answer to be honest with you. I, I feel like 
There's there's a lot of good young defensive coordinators out of there, but there's a lot of good experienced defensive coordinators out there. And I, I'm not. I think Levy might lean towards experience because he is a new head coach. He might want to get a guy who's sort of been through it before, maybe even been in the SEC. A name that has popped up to, to continue the let's rip off Ole Miss theme is DJ Durkin. That name has popped up a few a few places as a potential candidate for Mississippi State. Um, On that front, beyond that, because because yeah. I've seen a lot of state fans excited about that prospect. A&M's they were really good at tackles for loss and sacks, right? That was something that they were really good at. But, but that, they had ten five star guys, right? I mean, the, the defenses were they, they were good, like statistically and, and all of that. They were good, not great, and you're not going to have five stars all over the field. So is that yeah. really like the guy well, that you're going to get jacked up to to have show up to your place? What I would say is in 21 when Durkin was at Ole Miss, that Ole Miss defense was was okay. It was pretty good. Sam Williams turned into a, a superstar. And you hope that with, with Levy and his staff that you can recruit better as it is. You know, you hope that maybe you can come in. You know, Mississippi has a lot of great defensive players year in and year out. Maybe in this late stages you can flip one of the four-star guys that Ole Miss has right now. Don't know if that's a possibility or not, but you hope maybe you can upgrade your talent and, and sort of go from there. But that's a, that's just one name that I've, I've seen. I don't know if that's that that's the way he's going to want to go at all. Hey, Dad, I hesitate to do this because it's from your favorite online media source, so I won't credit it. I'll just read the tweet. With the Jimbo Fisher hire, Texas A&M thought it was an on, on an elevator to success. Under Mike Elko, the Aggies will take the stairs. Elko quote, we are not going to talk about it anymore. We are going to be about it. Close quote. I like I like that. Who said it? Uh, Zach Barnett with Football Scoop. Oh, God, those guys. Uh, no report as to whether or not uh, blue collar and lunch pail were used in the Mike Elko introductory press conference. Communication system is a go. go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Coming in on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. You can hit us up as well. Good afternoon, guys. Do you think that Durkin will wind up at Mississippi State? DJ Durkin. Talking about that a little bit before the uh, break. That one from Bob in Pontotoc. Maybe. Uh, The Levy hire is not the same as the Mullen hire. Mullen was a successful offensive coordinator at a championship program. Levy is not that, thanks to the state AD for Arnett 2.0 and ensuring Ole Miss's dominance for years to come. <laughs> that does not appear to be an opinion shared by many Mississippi State fans. Um, yeah. I, uh... 
Let's see here. Jim Leonard. That being said, that person who said that is an Ole Miss fan. So, Oh, okay. Maybe he was just pretending to be a State fan. Or maybe previously he's been pretending to be an Ole Miss fan. I I don't know. Uh, Jim Leonard for defensive coordinator. Jim Leonard, the former Wisconsin defensive coordinator. Be an interesting choice. Mike says more former Rebs in Starkville than in Oxford or than in Auburn these days. I mean, you got to give Kiffin credit. His his first couple stats, he had a lot of young, good coaches. Yeah. And then with Joe Freeze, John... he's just going to go back to the. Go ahead. No, I said. I was like Freeze. Seen... I mean, we went with who he knew. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Joe John Finley's name has floated around a little bit. Most of what I've read leads you to believe that he's going to stay at Oklahoma, which is his alma mater, but I have seen people saying that he very well could be a target for Jeff Lebby to join this staff. Could be. I've I've seen his name, but I I agree that most of the smoke seems to say that he'll stay at Oklahoma. Good coach, though. Good recruiter. Yeah, in in terms of currently on the Ole Miss staff, uh, I have seen people float, John David Baker's name out as somebody mm-hmm. that Jeff Levy might try to poach. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right word or not. That's the right word. Come down. I remember the last time. It's the right word. Yeah, if I remember the last time it's, it's gone that way. I mean, Ole Miss a few years ago hired. Uh, oh, what was his name? The defensive line coach from from state. Whose staff are we talking? Oh, about? what was his name? Moorheads. So maybe he came in after Leach came in and he didn't he didn't state didn't retain him. I don't remember his name was. He was there for like a year. Um who's a Mississippi when Buckley, guy. Was it? No, but Buckley did go from old from state from Ole Miss to, or did he go from Ole Miss to State or State to Ole Miss? He went from state to Ole Miss. I think so, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I can't um, remember that guy's name. We get a question that says, Will state retain Bumpus? Don't know yet. Possibly. It's a guy that would make sense. No, yeah. no idea. No, no idea what the relationship is like, if there is any relationship at all. But a guy who played at Mississippi State, who is considered to be kind of the one of the young rising recruiters, spot on the defensive side, it might make some sense. Yeah. I think there's a chance that Greg Knox stays around. Deke Adams is who I'm thinking of. Uh, I don't know. You know. Knox was just an analyst uh, prior to being elevated interim head coach. Yeah. Um, certainly a, a beloved figure in the Mississippi State family. So it feels like if you're just going to keep him around at, at that same position or some sort of similar off-field position, that, that wouldn't be much of a an ask for Jeff Levy, but that's going to be his decision. I know one of the things that you guys will ask about tonight in the the media availability is whether or not Jeff Lebby will plan to call plays himself or he will designate that to an offensive coordinator. And different that, guys that is have definitely different going to be a question. Go with what you know, call plays, man. Don't you see most guys that do that most, not all? eventually go, you know, it's too much to t- try and do it all, and they turn it over, which I, I wonder if that's a mistake more yeah. times than not. And we always had that issue with Malzahn. He would go from 
doing it to not doing it. And he could never stay. Mullen called plays the whole time he was here. So, I mean, he was relatively successful. If you've got a defensive staff does you Kiffin, trust, does man. Does Kiffin actually call plays? Does Kiffin call the plays or does Weiss? Weiss is calling the majority of them. Kiffin's is that one of those things where he's got a Morehead always say, I, I have 51%. Yeah. Like, if, if there's something Kiffin wants run, he'll be like, nah, we're going to go with this. Yeah, and I mean, he's involved with developing the game plan and, you know. Yeah. Those call sheets are so detailed. Like, everything on them is situational. You know, you, you've got plays that you run in certain places on the field. Uh, you got stuff that's bread and butter that you go to randomly. You've got third down calls. You've got fourth down calls. You've got red zone calls. You've got your opening script at the beginning of the game. Like, it's broken down. So, so it's not like you've got an offensive coordinator that's just sitting in the booth going, hmm, what does it feel like it's working? All right. And then when you do identify that something is working, you put a star by that or a dot by it, and you go back to it more often, and sometimes you formation different to run the same type play. But it's not like you're just sitting there going, hmm, what do I like here? All right, let's run this. I mean, it happens too j- fast. That's very, very structured. Yeah. Dance with the girl that brought you, man. So we'll see. You are an offensive yeah. play caller. Your you. offenses are great. Keep calling the plays. Hire a defensive staff you trust and cook. I think I think in year one, especially, you'll see Levy call the plays and just try to get a feel for it. And if he feels good about it, he'll continue. And if he doesn't, then maybe next year you're looking to bring in an OC. Teipel still calls plays, doesn't he? At Tennessee, believe so. Believe. I think so. he's still calling plays. Mike Gundy's still mm-hmm. calling plays, although I think he's one that's kind of gone back and forth on it a call little plays? bit. Hmm? The Sark call plays? I don't know the answer to that. I, I talked to a guy in the agent community a f- couple of years ago, and um, he thought that Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian were the two ble- best play callers at that time in all of college football. And it still is a, l- a little interesting to me that, that Lane Kiffin has delegated a lot of that responsibility during the game, but is still very involved with it. So... Um, I was telling Hayda during the break, pray for Eastern Kentucky. A first game for a first-time head coach, and you get Eastern Kentucky, I mean, they're going to put up 80. They're just going to throw it deep. I mean, just these deep route concepts, and they're just going to... You want to get a fan base to buy into you right away, and you've got a sacrificial lamb on the other sidelines... Take the over, whatever the over-under is for Mississippi State's point total. Just go over that. It's great for attendance. First <laughs> game of the new coaches there, you're going to get a good crowd because normally an FCS team, you're like, ah, I may not come. First game of his uh, of his career, yeah, they'll show up for that. Yeah, they have two giant scoreboards. Let's see if you can break one. Get this, just tuning in. Do Richard and Borky think that Levy is a good hire from an Ole Miss perspective? I, I, I'll answer it for me. Yes, I, I do. Now, I don't think it is a risk-free hire. I'm not sure there's such a thing in college football anymore as a hire that doesn't carry some level of risk. I don't. I don't think you're answering this question correctly. I think he's saying he's asking you: Is this a good hire in terms of can Ole Miss is Ole Miss still better than Mississippi State in this situation? Did State hire a guy who can be better than than Ole Miss is? I think that's what he's trying to ask you. See, I, I I took what he was asking, like, hey, just a, is your perspective from a completely on the hire? outside perspective, do you think this was a good hire? I'm going to answer it that way, okay. then I'll answer it your way if you want me to. Okay. And, and yeah, the, here's the reason. Here's the reason I want to do that. 
in, in an alternate universe where two years ago, following Ole Miss's 10-win regular season, where they went to the Sugar Bowl with, with Matt Corral, and Lane Kiffin's name surfaced, what, for the Miami job and was kind of floating around for the LSU job, whether that was real or not, there's a scenario where Ole Miss possibly handed the reins to Jeff Levy two years ago if Lane Kiffin had moved on. And it would have it would have felt a little risky in that situation because he would have been, at that time, 37 and young. But people thought a lot of, of Jeff Levy and the job that he did. What about last he, year? Hmm? I, when I the think Auburn w- stuff was going on. Yeah, I think it would have been – I'm not saying that it wouldn't have happened. He certainly would have been on a list a year ago. I think it would have been more difficult because of some of the struggles that Oklahoma had with him as the offensive coordinator, whether it was just his in year one. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a more difficult sell last year than when you were coming immediately off of a 10-win season. In terms of the way you asked the question, I mean, I don't think it changes anything immediately. I think Ole Miss has got a lot coming back next year, and there's a lot of momentum. They're going to be a preseason top-10 team, and Mississippi State has got to completely rebuild its roster. I don't think there's any reason to be scared if you're an Ole Miss fan right now. Who knows what the future holds, though? Let's see what this thing looks like two years from now in Starkville. We'll be right back. It's sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi. Thank you for being with us alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. Tomorrow, Sports Talk Mississippi will be live in Jackson at the Country Club of Jackson for the Connerly Trophy presentation. It's, of course, presented by C Spire. Uh, the award for the best player in the state of Mississippi will be given out tomorrow night as voted on by members of the media and maybe the scouting community also. I can't remember if they're involved in the uh, the vote for the Connerly Trophy or not, but that will be handed out tomorrow night. Um, if we are placing odds on who the winner will be, the, uh, the, the guys that you're really keeping an eye on are Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss, Buki Watson from Mississippi State, Patrick Shegog from Delta State, and Frank Gore Jr. from Southern Miss. Those, those are the four that were, and, and that's not even the slightest disrespect to any of the other finalists that uh, will be in attendance tomorrow night. Always a great night celebrating college football in the state of Mississippi, and we look forward to being there with you tomorrow afternoon at CCJ in Jackson for the C Spire Connerly Trophy presentation. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Keep up with all the activities that are going on as part of Holly Jolly Holidays at visitoxfordms.com. Be sure to follow along on all of their social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at visitoxfordms. 
And a reminder, I told you this earlier in the show, uh, Cyber Monday means that uh, you can save big on Genteel. Genteelapparel.com is the website. 25% off everything on the website. At least 25% off of everything on the website through midnight tonight. And there's 50% off uh, select styles that are available as well. Uh, and this does include the collegiate collection. So if you're thinking about uh, some new gear for the sports fan in your life, check out their collegiate collection and get 50% off on every item that you ordered, plus free shipping on orders of more than $150. So that's at uh, genteelapparel.com. About two hours away, a little less than two hours away, from Jeff Levy's introductory press conference at uh, at Mississippi State, we get this message. It says, online, Oklahoma fans seem to be happy to get rid of Levy. Why would they be happy if he's so good, or is it just fans acting out because he chose to leave? I was asked a similar question last okay. night, and they asked in the context of, is it like Alabama fans with Pete Golding? And I thought that was an interesting way to frame it, because Ole Miss hiring Pete Golding was very good for the Ole Miss defense. The numbers don't lie. Uh, he was very, very good. And Alabama fans hated him because they're foolish. But isn't the answer some of it because of how the Art Bryles thing went down this year, that that, that rubbed some people the wrong way, whether you think it's justified yeah. or not, that that caused a little bit of a un- discomfort there after that? Statistically, it doesn't make any sense. They're fourth nationally in total offense and third in scoring offense. The two games they've lost, they, they scored 24 and 30 points. I mean, it feels like offense has not been their issue this year. And even last year, I mean, they weren't great offensively, but defense was their major problem a season ago. So that, that, the Bryles thing is certainly something there. I reached out to uh, Eli Letterman from Sellout Crowd, who's been on the show before, covers the Sooners. And he said that they do have some issues with like some situational play calling. And I get that. I mean, I feel like everybody has issues from time to time. You don't always get the right play call in. But when you just look at the body of work, yeah, it does feel like either it's the Bryles thing or they're just acting out because he left. Yeah. I mean, it's an Oklahoma team that went 10-2 and and had a win over Texas, which is one of the best wins that you will find on anybody's schedule this year. There were a couple of games early. SMU in Week 2, where they only scored 28, and I think that probably bothered some fans a a little bit. They only scored 20 in the win against Cincinnati. That probably bothered some people, but those were all in September. That October offense was pretty good, but what sticks in the crawl of Oklahoma fans is a loss to Kansas and a loss in Bedlam to Oklahoma State. They only scored 24 in the loss to, uh, to Oklahoma State. So... I mean, I get it, I guess, and some of it is it's like the backup quarterback syndrome, right? I mean, backup quarterback, they say, is sometimes the most popular guy on campus, and so it's like whoever's next might be the most popular guy. I wouldn't spend any time worried about that if I was a Mississippi State fan. Yeah, because uh, we, we get this message, play calling down the stretch against Oklahoma State was bad. Yeah, I mean, the the, the play that essentially ended the game uh, – the threw a route to a receiver that was two yards short of the sticks. I, I get that. But we, we do too much of this in college football. We'll have the playoff conversation maybe tomorrow, if not Wednesday, just you know rankings and stuff like that. And 
you know, people will look at one game played by a team and, well, well, they really struggled in this one. Well, yeah, look at everybody's schedule. Look at everybody at the top of college football schedule. Everybody's talking about what a great job Nick Saban did coaching this year. They were on the ropes at South Florida. They, they had to score in a fourth and 31 to beat Auburn. Georgia beat Georgia Tech by a touchdown on Saturday. Yeah. And had close games against South Carolina and Auburn earlier in the year. I mean, South Carolina, had a bad South Carolina team, as it turns out, had Georgia on the ropes. Florida State doesn't beat Miami without a, a freaky Keon Coleman uh, return for a touchdown. Florida State doesn't beat Clemson without Keon Coleman in overtime. That's a theme there for that team. Mossing a guy in, in Death Valley there. Washington has limped to the finish lately. Oregon has a loss. I mean, I, I you know, you, people expect like perfection from their teams every single week. And when it's not, it's like, well, that guy sucks because he had one bad play calling moment in their rival game. So therefore, he's terrible. Fire him. It's just an impossible standard for a coach to, to uphold. Somebody asked about the beef between Levy and Kiffin. I don't know that there's really a beef there. Um, if you're referring to Lane Kiffin on Twitter last night, he, he kind of was needling Jeff Levy a little bit. Body, sh- body shaming in the year of our Lord 2023. It, it, Why don't you just call that, me Fat Lane? <sighs> in the way that Lane Kiffin needles, especially people that he knows and likes. Um, so I think there was that. Look, the, the... Yeah, if you took that seriously, spend less time on the internet. That, that's... All right, so so if you if we're just going to be like be completely candid about the point at which Jeff Levy left, I think Jeff Levy had some frustration over not having autonomy with the offense. I, I think I don't know that for a fact, but I think he wanted to run his own offense and knew that it was time to do that in terms of development of his coaching career and to be able to go back and do that at his alma mater, I mean, that was a win-win. I think that there was, especially in that first year, Lane Kiffin was a different person in year one at Ole Miss than he was in year two and three and four. And I think there was some frustration on that original staff about a lack of organization and order within the program. But Lane uh, Kiffin has very publicly talked about some changes that he has made in his life and his lifestyle that has caused him to be more engaged and a better coach and a better person. He did sell the Boca house on Twitter. Do what now? He he sold... Didn't he post the real estate listing to his Boca house on Twitter and the jet skis? Uh, it was a boat. Maybe there were jet skis too. I think but... there were jet skis too. Yeah, I think he was he was selling off the toys on on Twitter of all places, if yeah. I remember correctly. Well, so the the Jeff Levy Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss was mutually beneficial. I think it was good for Jeff Levy to work under Lane Kiffin for a couple of years, but I think it was also good for Lane Kiffin. To have Jeff Levy on his staff. I, I don't know. 
Mike says Levy got his knickers in a twist when Kiffin fired Randy Clements without getting Levy's input. I, maybe that had something to do with it as well. But ultimately, the head coach is the one that's going to make staff decisions. So, we'll uh, we'll see. Um, so, is there an actual beef? I don't know. But there certainly are some people that want you to believe that there is and that it will bring a level of intensity back to the rivalry that has not existed in recent years. I don't know. Are there any other questions we needed to get to? There was a bunch that came in. Uh, have you guys even talked about the Egg Bowl? On Friday, yes. Yes, we did. Larry and Mai says nobody was listening on Friday. Uh, that's not true. There are a lot of people that were listening on Friday. True. Yeah. Um, Scott in Crystal Springs wants to know if Ole Miss makes a New Year's Six Bowl. Scott, let's hold that thought until tomorrow. I, I think that's something that we're going to need to talk about in greater detail than we can do in the last five minutes of the show. Take a timeout. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. One last time with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, on this Monday afternoon. Appreciate you being with us. Kind of a busy sports week coming up. Um, We've got championship games coming up this weekend in college football. Mississippi State is at Georgia Tech tomorrow night in uh, basketball for the the ACC-SEC Challenge. Get Ole Miss hosting NC State tomorrow night. Ole Miss has also got Memphis coming to the Pavilion on Saturday this week. We've got state championship football games uh, at Vault-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford on Friday and Saturday this coming week. Uh, so we'll crown, what, seven champions here in uh, in the state of Mississippi. That is always uh, a good time. And we've got the Connerly Trophy presentation, which, uh, as we told you earlier, we will be in Jackson for tomorrow. So a lot of stuff coming up. And, of course, Jeff Levy's introduction to the Mississippi State fans and media is about an hour and a half away. They're doing that tonight at Starkville at uh, 7.30. So a lot happening this week as it pertains to sports. Fun times. I know football is going to dominate the conversation, as it should. we got championship Saturday and all that stuff and new coaches and everything. I'm excited about the hoops this week. Yeah. Really, I'm, and I, I'm not saying that because they air on this network and we talk about it. I am genuinely, truly excited about the hoops this week. I think you should be. You got Ole Miss and Mississippi State both undefeated. Mississippi State's got some nice wins on the resume already. If I mean, it's way, way too early to be looking at any of the metrics used for rankings net and strength of schedule and strength of record and offensive and defensive efficiency and all of that stuff. It's way too early for that. But a couple of good wins on the resume for Mississippi State and a road opportunity against an ACC team tomorrow night. And for Ole Miss, 
5-0 and start, but some close wins so far. Wins nonetheless, but close wins. And uh, they get an NC State team coming into the pavilion. I would anticipate a pretty good crowd for that tomorrow night. You'll have a really good student crowd. Yeah, it'll be a great student crowd. Absolutely will be. And we'll see with the rest. I mean, you know, the the out-of-town folks driving in that happens when you get a completely full arena with an 8 o'clock tip time. Don't know how many folks will make that trip, but uh, I would think that it would be pretty good. So we we will see. Um, Hey, if you're in the market for a, uh, a new Ford truck, Belk Ford Oxford Toyota is the place to go. Highway 6 West in Oxford. Really good selection of new vehicles on the lot right now. And, and I'm talking about both lots, both the, the Ford lot and the Toyota lot. And a huge selection of used vehicles ready for you. So maybe as you go toward the holiday season, you're thinking about uh, a shiny new vehicle. I don't think you would put the actual vehicle under the tree, but maybe you would put a little box with some keys in it under the tree. Uh, they will help you make that happen. Or maybe you're just in the market for a new vehicle, period. Uh, let Belk Ford help you out. Great company, great people uh, at a place that has been in business for a really, really long time. Highway 6 West in Oxford, BelkFord.net, OxfordToyota.com. When you stop by, tell them that you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, do you expect anything beyond just the normal pomp and circumstance for an introductory press conference tonight? Or that's just what it'll be? I mean, yeah, there'll be be, be a pep rally, then we'll have the press conference. Somebody will ask about the Bryles thing, I'm sure, and and that'll be a downer for for some. But that that question needs to be asked. And that'll be it. That'll be, you know, putting your staff together and, you know, what are your plans? You you mentioned, you have somebody, are you going to call plays and things like that? And what made this the right job? The typical kind of questions you get at these things. I'm curious to hear his answer on when when he's asked about, you know, what was your time at? An old miss like you know the bitter rival of this very school. You spent time there and and coached well there, not long ago. Yeah, yeah. I have. Uh, I wonder if it, he should give the duty noble answer and just really endear himself to the uh, the fan base. Do you think somebody has given him that as a little talking point in case he wants to? Uh, Boy, that out? Dr. Keenum. Now, now, duty noble once coached here. It just goes from there. So that's a little more Hank Hill than Dr. Keenum, but yeah, it is. Somebody does have to get him to scroll down a couple years in that social media feed to delete some. We run the SIP tweets. The tweets need to be deleted. Yeah, yeah. The screenshots yeah. are already there, but the the st- the current existence of them needs needs to be removed. Uh, just yeah. just to not. Yeah, I guess use you just avoid. You have to say, look, that's where I worked. You know, I mean, yeah. Oh, what I'm talking about if you happen to lose later and. Oh, you yeah. Know. That could, we'll get brought up. Yeah, no question. Yeah. Hey, uh, a couple of people pointed out to me that I was off on the dates for the state championship games. They actually start Thursday. So you get two games on Thursday, two games on Friday, and then uh, three on Saturday. Um, so you've, uh, you've, you've got that. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We will do it again. And we look forward to it. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Have a great Monday night. Oh, it's incredible! 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.